exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Spartan Sports Wrap. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I'm your host, Alex Sharg, as usual, every Monday. Coming on a bit early today, a minute or two early, so I apologize if you're waiting till 7 to tune in. At least you won't have to hear all the beginnings first. So, again, great to have... My man John Yale's again on the show today. Uh, he's filling in for David, who's who's missing actually the first half hour. He'll be on later. Uh, John, so much to talk about, as you know. Midnight Madness, uh, a lot of Michigan State sports now with football and basketball coming into full swing. So, John, how are you doing? Uh, what was your take on the recent Midnight Madness? I'm doing good. It was a busy weekend this week with Detroit, Michigan State. Detroit went a little better this weekend than Michigan State, but it was a Overall, positive weekend. I was happy being yeah. a Michigan State fan. That was disappointing, obviously, but Tigers are playing good. Lions are playing pretty good, good enough to win, and it's looking up. But I'm excited to be here, ready for the show. Right, and as we saw, actually, at the Michigan State football game, the weather is just starting to get worse. It's October now, mid-October. Winter is trying to make its way into Michigan State and East Lansing. So we saw it, it definitely happen this past weekend of weather really just giving a downside turn onto that game. And even the way the game finished, as you saw, John, it was just not a happy ending for the Spartans. Big Ten football. <laughs> Muddy football, low scoring, overtime. That's what I did like about the game. It was traditional Big Ten football, but... Right, right. Very good. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in, and it is, and if it is your first time tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap, let me explain to you how the show works. The show is set up, we talk about MSU sports primarily, then we jump to local. That's your Michigan, that's your Detroit Tigers, your Detroit Lions, anything else. If you want to tweet in something that you want us to talk about locally, feel free to do that as well. Our Twitter name is at 89FMSportsWrap. Again, at 89FMSportsWrap. M Sports Wrap. So if you want to talk about something that we are not discussing, feel free to tweet in at any point during the show. And if you do want to call in as well, the number for the show, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. We do have listeners from all over the world as far as San Jose State University and even as far as Israel. We do have listeners all over the world on the Spartan Sports Wrap, so we do appreciate your support. Uh, as I said earlier, I do have a co-host named David DeFever. He's out today. He'll be back within the last half hour, and I do have John Yells as well, as we did just discuss. Uh, as the show commences, we usually have a special guest each week. No special guest today on today's show, but that will definitely keep occurring if you keep tuning in. Uh, we do have our traditional goon of the week at today's show, and as I was discussing with John before we started the show, this goon is is really putting himself out there. I think that's really the best way to describe it, John. Yeah. So we'll get to that within the last five minutes of the show at 7.55. Also, we do have our traditional question of the week, and basically how it works is each week I ask a question, and it can range from any sport, any topic – Whatever that David and I and, and all of us at the Sports Rap team decide to ask. And the question, uh, if you get the question correctly, you will have the opportunity to receive a gift certificate for an entree from Pita Pit. Uh, that's what today's prize entails. And if you want more information, it can be found online at www.pitapitusa.com. So definitely get those laptops out and get those phones going. The Impact would like to thank Peter Pitt for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win once a week. So, John, Peter Pitt, a lot to look forward to if you get that question of the week correctly. And the question this week, as we have to ask it again, because last week no one got the question correctly. It's a difficult question, so so don't don't worry about you know how hard it can be. We understand it's a little difficult, so we'll keep asking it every week until someone gets it correctly. Uh, so the question this week after the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana University, so that was two weeks ago, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver? 
Who is it and what year did they perform in? So if you know the answer, if you know what freshman wide receiver had the second best performance behind Aaron Burbridge, you can easily find it online. You could find it on Twitter probably as well. Uh, if you know the answer to that, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in 517-432-3893. So if you want to win that gift certificate for an entree from Pita Pit, you definitely want to call in and try to get that question of the week correctly. Also, how the show works... Just starting to get on there. Uh, but how the show works, we do have our Chad Ocho Zero segment. This guy, this is a bit into our national sports. This guy, starting from weeks ago, we started talking about how this guy's career fell apart. Now he's trying to puzzle his way back together. And last week, for those of you who were not listening to the show, uh, Chad Chad Johnson started to turn to yoga to cope with his struggles uh, he was also seen after a week after divorcing Evelyn Lozada. He was seen with A.J. Johnson, a very famous Hollywood actress, at lunch. Uh, and this week, uh, Rex Ryan obviously looking to bring in a wide receiver with his guys out. And this week, Chad Ocho, well, Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson this week explained that he did not want to tweet to the New York Jets organization because actually Terrell Owens, who also is looking for a job tweeted at the New York Jets saying, hey, let me go in, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to play, give me an offer, talk to my agent. Now, Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson in the media this week, he was explaining that the reason he did not tweet, which as, as you know, Chad Johnson is a very big tweeter, the reason Chad Johnson did not tweet this week is because he says that tweeting to the Jets is tampering against his written rules. So, John... Obviously, tampering, that has to do with doing something illegal, something he's not allowed to do. What do you think this tampering entails? Is there something behind the puzzle to Chad Johnson that maybe the the listeners and and those following don't know? I think, first off, he probably doesn't feel comfortable enough to get into football right now. He's probably a little behind physically. Now, why do you say, oh, you think it's more of like the physical physically, And he's probably... He's probably more truthful to himself than T.O. is right now. T.O. probably will do anything to get back into football. He's always been yeah. that kind of player. Right, right. Chad Johnson's probably – he's been going through a lot, so he's dealing with that. So he's not looking right now to get into football immediately. Like it might be down the road or whatever. So this is probably kind of just a way to kind of get out of from just saying yeah, yeah. want to play kind of thing. But. Right. Yeah, and even though he isn't really ready for football, I definitely could see – Something coming up in the media another week about maybe his extramarital affairs. I mean, this for this guy it could be anything, yeah. and it's week by week. I love covering it, but as I promised to start the sports trap, I will stop covering Chad Ocho Zero <laughs> the moment the media stops paying attention to the guy. So it will continue, and if you have a prediction about what next week's Chad Ocho Zero segment will be, 517-432-3893 is the number to, to, to dial up and explain what your reasoning is. Also, we're going to talk about right now, we're going to get right into it, our beloved Detroit Tigers. Oh, I, I couldn't believe they made it this far. <laughs> I was doubting them all year, John, and I, I know we all had our doubts with this Detroit Tiger team. What are you talking about? We are going to the World Series the whole time. Wow, yeah, and that's what everyone says. That's what the analysts said at the beginning of the year. But hey... Uh, we've seen a lot from this, this last series in Oakland. We've started to see a lot these last two games in New York. Uh, for those of you who did not catch the game, the Tigers coming off to a great start. They did take two at New York Stadium. Uh, they did take it right from the Yankees. And it, it was obviously a very entertaining game. The very first game, the Tigers were up 4 nothing in the ninth inning. Then Jose Valverde, the closer, coming into the game, giving up four runs and then letting it go all the way up into, you know, really up until the 12th inning when we did tack on two more runs to close out the game. Uh, John, I, I want to start off this Detroit Tigers segment and, and talk about Jose Valverde because this is a guy the whole year has received a lot of criticism because he really, compared to, to previous years, he really cannot close out games anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your opinion first off. Uh, when he did give up the four runs... Their first was two runs given up, and Jim Leland and, and, and of course, uh, Chuck Hernandez came out to the mound. You know, uh, they, they started talking to Valverde. Trying to calm him down, see what's Starting to on. calm him down, but they left the guy in. They left him in for two straight batters again. So he gave up a walk, then they left him in again, you know, to face mm-hmm. off and then give out the Raul, the Abani's home run. run. home run, yeah. So, uh, your opinion first off, John, and feel free to call in at any point during the show, especially about the Jose Valverde issue. 
517-432-3893. Is Valverde left in the game for too long there? Uh, is this a Jim Leland decision that you think maybe he should have been pulled? Yeah, I think it was Jim, Le- Jim Leland's mistake there, like, no doubt. He let them in, like you said, with the two runs he gave up first, which is typical Jose Valverde. But the trick is figuring out if he's going to pull it together, make it close, but win the game like he did a couple times this year, or is he going to get the last two outs or whatever. And I think Leland felt like we're going to need this guy for the rest of the series. I can't pull him now in a game like this. i got to give him confidence, whatever his loyalty is, what everyone talks about. So he left him in, being loyal to Valverde. Mm -hmm. He blew it again. And now, obviously, Valverde is in a lot of trouble. Leland's in a lot of trouble. And next game, when like if Verlander goes eight innings, what do you do? Do you bring him in? What happens if he comes in, gives sure. up the two runs? You had a two-run game. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned the loyalty to Valverde. Now, compare the loyalty to Valverde and Ryan Rayburn. How do you explain the difference between these two guys? Because this is playoff baseball. You know, they put Jose Valverde and not Ryan Rayburn on the 40-man roster for a reason. So, you know, this loyalty he has to Valverde, obviously with the closer, it's way different yeah. than what it would be, I'm sure, as, as you know, uh, to any ordinary outfielder or second baseman as Ryan Rayburn can play. But in terms of the, the loyalty to Valverde, uh, do you think it stretches throughout maybe uh, – Maybe is there more of an unspoken closer loyalty that comes around with it? Or do you think it's more of basically his overall, quote-unquote, loyalty to guys that he likes or he thinks can perform? No, I like what you said first, the kind of unspoken loyalty for a closer. First off, he's getting paid a lot of money. Absolutely. So you can't take him out in certain situations. You can't just not play him because he stinks for 20 games or something like that you're paying him whatever million dollars so he's gonna have to keep him in he's our closer who we pay to be our big name closer who can shut down our games and he has been that in the past and this season has not been i wouldn't call bad at all for valverde he was on something like he hadn't blown a save in like 15 games or something Mm -hmm. coming in so he had been solid enough to put him in that oakland game it was the decision after blowing that oakland game to bring him in, which I think Leland had to do. He had to bring him in mm-hmm. and see how he did. And he gave up those two runs. And that after that point, I think that was Leland being loyal to him, kind of just keeping him happy, keeping him with the Tigers, not losing his mind mm-hmm. for the other games because he thinks he's going to need them. But I don't know what Leland's plans are for the next couple games because I can easily see that coming up tomorrow. Verlander goes eight innings. He has like a high pitch count or something like that. And who do you bring in? Do you bring in Valverde? Do you bring Mm -hmm. in some guy we've never who's never close before, like an Albuquerque or Ben Wall or something like that? And then if that guy goes out and blows it, it's basically the same situation. Absolutely. And we saw actually in game two, we did see Phil Cocchio in there. He did close out the game. It wasn't a close situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were up significantly in runs, but uh, it, it did. You know, he did change it up a little bit. So uh, predictions right now. Uh, Leland obviously not coming out and saying that he he has the confidence. I'm sure in Valverde to keep continuing. But uh, do you do you think the Tigers, John, are going to take a look at maybe an Albuquerque or someone else in that rotation? Yeah, um, it depends on our how our starters are doing. If they're doing like they are now where they're going seven innings, Verlander's going eight, nine innings, then it makes it a lot easier. But I think it'll just be you bring in like uh, Ben Wall or something in the eighth. If he's doing good, you might throw him back out there for the ninth, see what happens. I, I don't see Valverde coming in for a while. I think he's going to go the other route of using the bullpen, which has been very solid, and just going to try something different. If that goes horribly wrong, He's stuck either way. He's got to pick one, so he'll probably go back to uh, Valverde. 517-432-3893 is the number to call in. Uh, you mentioned, uh, that's a very good point. I definitely could see you know, them definitely looking at some other relief pitchers, maybe a Benoit. Uh, now, now my question, does Leland give Valverde another chance? Is he worthy of another chance? <laughs> We're up by six runs or something like that, but uh, sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, I he deserves to right, be right. put it's, in. It's very clear that he does deserve. He gets the big contract money. He can be put He's in. He's being paid, and it's, it was two games. They're in the worst spots ever, but he was solid this 
uh, season. In yeah. the past season, he was perfect or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he deserves a chance, but... But will he ultimately get in, in your opinion? No. Like I said before, I don't think we'll see Valverde the rest of the postseason unless it comes down to injuries or something like that. Very interesting opinion. And if you I, think I otherwise... See him. <laughs> if you think otherwise, feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Will Valverde get the light and day to see another game at Detroit Tiger Stadium this year at Comerica Park. Uh, if you think that Valverde does have a shot to get in there, feel free to call in or tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. And again, our question of the week this week for a, a Pita Pitt gift certificate for an entree. So if you know the answer to this question, if you look it up online, feel free to tweet or call in with your answer. After the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana, who had the second best Freshman wide receiver performance. Who was it and what year? Uh, if you know the answer, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in. And we do have Dylan, of, of course, behind the screens taking calls, uh, making me and John John and I here sound good over the air. Uh, so back now to the Detroit Tigers. Opinions very, very well granted against Valverde. Uh, but I do want to talk now about the overall playoffs because we've seen all kinds of storylines come in with this team we saw them up 2 nothing against Oakland, then blow two games again, and then, of course, Justin Verlander saving the day with a Game 5 victory, you know, sealing off the LDS. Uh, but I want to ask, because a big, big component of this Tiger team this year, as you said, has been pitching, and we saw Anibal Sanchez come in last mm-hmm. game, pitch extremely well. And with the guy that put up such a high ERA when he was with Florida with the National League team, uh, the Tigers still liked him. You know, they, they acquired him with Infante. They liked his pitch set. He liked they liked his tools. Uh, he's pitching pretty well. A lot of people thought he should have pitched when he did start the year. A lot of people thought he should have been pitching this well, you know, midseason. But it did take him a lot of time to adjust to this new team. Uh, uh, what are the reasons do you think it took him so long, John? I think uh, switching to the American League from the NL is a big it's a bigger change than a lot of people give credit to for pitchers, especially. It takes you a while to see the players you haven't seen, different teams, different places you're playing, and then your own teammate, your own bullpen. That takes a while to get used to. So I think it just took him a few months to just get in rhythm. I don't think he's an excellent pitcher. I think he's pitching better than what he truly is right now. Mm-hmm. But I think I think he'll keep this. I think he'll maintain it. Because he's been pitching pretty well these past couple games in the playoffs. In Oakland, he went six innings, five hits, three strikeouts, yep. that one home run. And then uh, Sunday, he went seven for three hits, seven strikeouts, no runs. So he's doing pretty solid, but I just want him to keep it up. But I think he he's, he's pitching for the playoffs, basically. He's pitching because mm-hmm. he's on a playoff team. He's doing good. He got used to it from the NL, and he's just the hype with the— Playing the Yankees and all that. Right. And, and with playing the Yankees, I want to take a couple minutes right now and read to the listeners some some comments from New York Daily News columnists, some CBS sports guys, basically everyone just bashing the New York Yankee organization. This is the first one I want to read. This one comes from Eric Boland. He's from Newsday. He says, quote, Honorable Sanchez was the latest opposing pitcher to look like Sandy Koufax against the increasingly dead men walking Yankees. Hold him the three hits in seven innings and the Tigers three nothing victory. That's what Eric Bowen said. So dead men walking the Yankees. I can't believe that these guys have lost such faith in the New York Yankees, who consistently have won over over twenty five World Series, you know, in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, are you doubting at all this Yankee team, John? Oh, definitely. I think the Yankees are like atrocious. A Rod, all the money they're wasting, and they they never put it together for the playoffs. And I just, I think they're an I wanted to play them over Baltimore because I just knew who, what type of team they are, what kind of attitude they have, and we usually historically do good against them over the past couple of years. And I thought it was gonna, I thought we were gonna go in and win the first two games. And coming back with Verlander in the first game, the Tigers have got to be feeling really high and really excited to just sweep the Yankees. And it was a huge embarrassment for the Yankees. Yeah, and a huge embarrassment. There's a lot of debate about instant replay and, of course, the calls that we saw from last game. Uh, uh, Justin Sablish from New York Times said this, I'd like to take this, quote, I'd like to take this time to wish Yankees manager Joe Girardi a very happy birthday, 48th birthday. 
he celebrated by earning his first ever ejection in a postseason game. So there's that. Seriously, that call was atrocious. Girardi had every right to go nuts on Nelson, and Nelson didn't have really have a right to toss Girardi after messing up that badly. So your thoughts on the call, obviously, an ejection's ejection. That's not going to change. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion uh, if the Yankees do lose this series about instant replay in baseball? You know, it's taken this long just to get it. Uh, there's a lot of talks that after this year, you know, the players' union, everyone's been talking about it for such a long time that this could easily come to full circle. Uh, your thoughts on instant replay? I think it needs to be done. We've been talking about this for multiple years, multiple playoffs. Things have come down to teams losing games and the more important games, so it gets more spotlight on it. But I think it it's time for it to move on. You can't keep that old game. First off, MLB's fallen to the side of – NBA and NFL because it's a slow game because it has the human element so called or whatever and because of the umps but in the end teams want to win and if they lose because of a stupid call and there's a camera angle showing they obviously won or he's obviously safe or obviously out like Infante then everyone's going to keep going on it keep talking about it until something gets done so I think it needs to be done you got to be careful with how far you go like if you're taking out all the umps and just using cameras to call strikes and balls. I think that's ridiculous. But for home runs and for foul balls, all that kind of stuff, anything close that's easily reviewable by a camera. Very fair. Now, I could differ with you actually a little bit because, you know, instant replay, there's always the umpire's eye that, that takes such a keen aspect out of the game. Yeah. Because when it comes to balls and strikes, you know, it, it, it would change the game tremendously to have that instant replay with that. But, you know, I do see the other side. I do see instant replay when it comes to foul balls, when it comes to deciding a home run or not, when mm-hmm. it comes to a guy being out at first. Absolutely. Yeah, just I, like close base plays. Just that needs to be fixed because it, it's easily fixable. That's the thing. And they're holding on to the traditional baseball when you're no longer in an era that is supported by that. You can move on past that and make the game better. Should instant replay be finally used? 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. If you do also want to comment on Jose Valverde, uh, was he left in too long? Should he been, been pulled? Should he have been pulled earlier? Uh, feel free to call in or tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Any point of the show, we do have our question of the week as usual, uh, giving away a free entree from Pita Pit. Uh, it is dinner time, so I'm definitely getting hungry over here. And you definitely want to tweet or call in with your answer if you want to win the gift, cer- the gift certificate courtesy of Pita Pit. So besides Aaron Burbridge, the freshman wide receiver from Michigan State, who had the second best performance ever as a freshman wide receiver? Actually, I'll give away a slight hint. It is within the 2000s. It actually was in 2004. So if you know what guy in 2004 had the second highest freshman wide receiver performance, who is it? Please feel free to call in or tweet, and you can win yourself a gift certificate courtesy of Pita Pit. So you definitely want to keep on tuning in and seeing if you decide to be the winning guy uh, or girl. So definitely keep your ears tuned in, and we will announce the winner at the end of the show. Uh I do want to comment now, besides for the instant replay, uh, I do want to talk about uh, this Yankee team because, you know, as we were discussing earlier, earlier they were atrocious. Uh, A-Rod and Curtis Granderson together probably strike out more than they probably bat. Uh, you know, I, probably about half of the times they go up to the plate, they strike out, could be fairly assumed. Uh, what is the re- are, are the Tigers? Do you give the Tigers a little bit of credit, or or are the Yankees really just not playing well at all? I think the Yankees are playing awful, but it, they're still a professional baseball team. It's not you can't just walk out there and pitch seven innings scoreless because they're in a slump or whatever. They're they're still able to get some singles or whatever, but they are awful. They're playing awful. Cano was on a 26 at bat hitless streak or something like that they're an embarrassment and that's why the Yankees fans are writing what they're writing saying what they're saying because they feel like we're a weaker team they're the Yankees and right. we should they should it should at least be tied in that 12 inning game was ridiculous in their mind and the blown calls they're mad about that but like they're they're starting not to even show up for the games. They're getting like three, four thousand, four thousand seats short for a playoff game. Yeah, ALC, unbelievable, unbelievable. It, it's it's. I don't think I've ever ever seen any shortage with when it comes to a New York Yankee baseball team. Yeah, in history, it, it's honestly ridiculous. And 
obviously, even with the empty seats, it doesn't really seem like New York did anything against the Venezuelan pitcher, you know. And, I mean, he struck out seven. He didn't get into any trouble at any point in the game. There was no drive. There was no runs. Mm-hmm. Zero runs through two games. And this is Yankee Stadium. This is this is the kind of stadium that, that home produces run, runs. That produces runs. And, and this is their home turf. I mean, they, they're the favorites here. And we've seen it throughout uh, many of the coaches, Jim Leland, saying, you know, our guys have been terrific, tough place to pitch, tough lineup, short porch, uh, a whole lot of left-handed hitters in that Yankee team. So... Uh, the coaches obviously see it, uh, and when it comes to the younger guys for this Detroit Tiger team, uh, we've seen a lot of good production. We've mm-hmm. seen Quentin Barry. We've seen, you know, who who, who would have thought that they'd call up uh, Avisail Garcia yeah. from Double A? He's getting some good pinch hits, getting some good singles, and yeah, they're and, producing. And who thought they'd call a guy like that up when it's midway through the season, mm-hmm. the second half of the season, and they decide to call him up over any potential second baseman? You know, this is that's a lot of trust to call up a guy, you know, who's going to replace a Brennan Bosch in the lineup, who's going to be consistent. So, you know, credit to the teacher, the Detroit Tiger organization. They've obviously done a lot of scouting, a lot of, I mean, they've definitely done a lot of hard work with their younger guys. And uh, I can't remember the last time, John, that that we've seen young guys get playoff action. Mm-hmm. You know, rookies getting called up from Double A and producing and, in the playoffs against the Yankees. And, and I also feel that the reason for that is that the Tigers are that good of a team with talent. You know, they can rely on the talent. You know, if a younger guy can't produce, let's say, you know, the, you know, the six or seven hitter can't produce, I, I, they still have um, as much talent as any veteran team in the league, even with a, a lineup of veterans like the Yankees have, that yeah. they have that younger production that even if they don't perform well one game, the, top, the Detroit Tigers' top five guys outweigh it. You know, it's amazing. Uh, also, John, I want to ask you before we jump topics here to our Detroit Lions, uh, what what are your predictions for this Detroit Tiger team? I mean, do you see them clinching the World Series? Who do you see them facing off against? I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah, I think they'll make it to the World Series this year. Um, I think we'll lose the Scherzer-Sabathia game. I think CC mm-hmm. will be better than Scherzer. Yep. And I, I just don't see us sweeping them. But the way they're playing, it's possible. But I think we won't be going back to New York. I think we'll win two out of the next three and... We'll probably be playing like the Cardinals or something like that yeah, again. Yeah. Again, and let's hope that if they play the Cardinals again, this this starting pitching that's been stellar doesn't commit yeah. the errors that they <laughs> committed when they played the Cardinals back in the late 2000s there. Yeah. But if you think otherwise, predictions for this Tiger team, 517-432-3893. Uh, feel free to call in at any point during the show. Uh, we're going to jump topics now to this Detroit Lion team. Uh, and this actually goes back to the beginning of last week uh, when an anonymous general manager uh, spoke against Jim Schwartz and the defensive line from the Lions basically taking some shots at this Detroit Lions team. Uh, this is what the rival GM said about the front seven and more so, you know, basically this this solid, you know, you know the front four of this Detroit Lions team. This is exactly what they said. Uh it was anonymous first off, and Dominic Riola came out actually this week, uh, a couple days ago, and said, quote, if they had any balls, they'd say who they were. That's such a coward statement to me. So, you know, obviously the Detroit Lions obviously feeling the pressure when it comes to, you know, guys labeling another professional team. But this is really what the guy said. Uh, quote, the one thing that is clear they are not as close as people have tried to make it seem. They are a one-dimensional offensive team that if the quarterback is not on, people are figuring it out. If you take Calvin Johnson out of the game, who else do they have that can beat you? Quote, they are not a team that I think is ready. If I'm going there to take over the job, I'm not thinking it's a quick fix. Uh, so that's basically what they said first off about the offense. And I'm going to get to the defense in a second. Uh, uh, basically initial thoughts after hearing that uh, if you take Calvin out of the game, who else do they have that can beat you? Uh, your thoughts on that, John? Well, some of what he's saying is true, obviously. we uh, it could be debated, but go on. Some of All it. Right. Our running game hasn't been stellar in the first couple games that we've been losing, so if you're saying take away, if you take away the quarterback, what do you have? You just have a weak running game. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of cowardly to go out and talk behind someone's back like that, but that's my own opinion. 
But some of the stuff, like I said, it is true. Uh, Calvin Johnson, if we didn't have Calvin Johnson, it would be a totally different team. But our other pieces are strong enough to where we could compete. It's not like he's saying where we would be this awful team if you take this one player away. We're not one player. We have the reason we win games. Well, the reasons we did win games and the reason we're winning some games is because we have a solid team. We have a decent amount of good talent to win games. So I think the comment about taking Calvin Johnson away is incorrect. We have enough talent outside of him right. to play. Now, what about the comment that they are a one-dimensional offensive team? You know, Then that even has to go with more of the coaches and play calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that I mean the way that the coaches have been playing, do you think they've been, you know, not even playing, the way that they've been calling, do you think the coaches have been making more of the proper calls this year? Or, or does this guy see something, John, that this Detroit Tiger team can greatly improve on when it comes to play calling? I think we always need to improve on the run, obviously, but I it's not our strong suit, so all we kind of have is our throwing game. So the coaches are doing what they're supposed to do. They work with what they have. They make what we have the best. They make our running game decent enough to support the throwing, and we throw the ball more than we run because we're better at throwing. We're better at getting down the field and doing big plays that way. So that's what our strong suit is. All right, very good. Uh, I mean, but sorry, sorry. what were you going to say to go on? You're good. Okay. (laughs) Well, 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, If you do want to comment what John or myself has said about this offensive Detroit team, uh, you know, even with basically what this anonymous GM has said about this Detroit team, uh, are they a one-dimensional team like this guy claims? Was this basically blown out of the water? Uh, Feel free to call in or tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap. He did say some things about the defensive side, uh, about that front seven. We're going to get to that when we come back from a quick break at the Spartan Sports Trap. You've been listening to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. More variety than you'll hear on any other station. Listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree fall. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Oh, come back, cuddle bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Ramp. This is your host, Alex Sharg, every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on the FM dial. You can also listen online. So if you are not by your radio, if you are about to go home, let's say, you've had a long day from work, you just want to keep on listening to the Sports Ramp, you feel free to call in uh, 517-432-3893, or you can also listen online at impact89fm.org. You can stream it online, you can listen live now, and you also can listen to podcasts after every show. So if you miss your action every Monday from 7 to 8, you can also catch it any day of the week 24-7 online. So we do want to thank, of course, Peter Pitt for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win the question of the week once per week. Uh, Of course, for those of you who are just tuning in now, today's winner of the question of the week will receive a gift certificate for an entree from Peter Pitt. Uh, you can find more information about Peter Pit, a little bit more of their selections online at www.petapitusa.com. So if you know our question of the week, it is posted on our Twitter. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, see our question of the week 
at 89 FM Sports Rap is the name to follow. So definitely take a look at that. See if you know the question of the week, which is after the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana, who had the second highest, you know, basically the second highest yardage as a freshman MSU wide receiver, who had the second best performance overall? If you know the answer, this actually dates back to 2004. What MSU wide receiver in 2004 had the second best MSU freshman performance? Feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 or tweet at 89FM Sports Rep. So as we talked about before the break, we're going to get into, you know, basically, John, that other half of criticism, that other half of bolstering and and basically bad garbage against this, this Detroit Lion defense. And this is what the anonymous GM said about the defensive side of the ball you know, for the Detroit Lions team. This is really the part, John, that got, you know, really they got me thinking. Quote, they don't have enough good players, and the players they think are good are not that good. Sue belongs on the all-hype team. Averill is not that good. Put on any game and you can watch him get blocked time and time again. Corey Williams is solid, but nothing that wows you or makes you wonder how you're going to block him. The other guy, Kyle Vandenbosch, is a try-hard guy getting up in years that does not really threaten you. For as much as people talk about that D-line and all its depth, where are all the players? End quote. John, a lot of harsh words here to say the least. Uh, the part that really got me that I really want to hear about, and actually David DeFever walking into the studio right now, the part that really got me talking and, and wondering is the part about Corey Williams you know, this guy said, Corey Williams is solid, but nothing that wows you or makes you wonder how you're going to block him. Well, you know, for those of you who do not know, every defense alignment you know, is put there to make plays. Every defense alignment gets across that offensive, that line of scrimmage and is able to stack a quarterback or put a hurry or, or is able to make a play. For a GM to go out there and say that one professional player can you know doesn't even provide you know the kind of of game strategy to block him basically he's denouncing the guy as a player as a whole he's saying the player has zero value on any NFL team doesn't have the ability to attack the guy in front of him basically all he does is stand there basically that's what he's so, saying so i mean what do you see with this you know rat you know on you know i mean i i don't even have words for it this is just you know, uh, such a negative criticism against any NFL player. I mean, there's something that must have happened from previous games, you know, to spark such criticism like this. Yeah, he must have had something under his skin or something to get this out of him. But our defense has been horrible in some games and in playoff last year. So there's some truth to it, just like he said in the offense. But our defensive line, I wouldn't say they're – I want to say they're like being too. I can't think of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, like they're not pushing themselves hard enough. Basically, like they they have the ability, they have the talent, and they're not producing. They're being unproductive. They're not over. They're, they're not achieving. They're yeah. really just not achieving. And I definitely do see it. I, I mean, and this is the part. You know that I'm going to go on with here, David. Uh, that really just it, it just it just doesn't make sense. And this is what this rival GM went on to say: "Quote, I have listened to the media hype about Sue since he got in the league. What has he done? Even the year he had all those garbage sacks, the guy took a million plays off and got pushed around in the run game. I have never thought he was a very good pro player. I liked him coming out and thought he had a chance." But I also never thought he was going to be the second coming that he was labeled. I am not sure who bestowed that on him, but it's kind of a joke, end quote. So uh, for garbage sacks and a million plays off got pushed around, uh, this just seems more of an ego trip to me, guys, than more of a an, an analysis of a, of a team. Uh, of course, the Lions came back the next week and I'm saying, who cares? We're just focused on what we're doing on the field. Cliff Averill, who got much of the criticism, says, who cares? I don't really care. We don't really care what any, anybody thinks of us right now. So uh, basically opinions on this, guys. Obviously, it's going to get to the team. Uh, 
if you had to take a, a, a good sizable bet on, on who on what rival GM said this, uh, who would it be and why? And if you listening have any opinion on this rival GM, 517-432-3893, who said the comments about the Detroit Lions team, about them being a bunch of zeros? So if you know the answer, tweet or call in. I want to start with you, David. Which GM said something like this, just to start? I would, maybe Green Bay or Minnesota, someone in the in the division, I think would probably take a stab at them. Which, I mean, maybe this will open up the eyes and maybe give a burst of energy. Because, I mean, it's hurtful to say against our Detroit Lions, but our defensive line has been missing. They haven't been the top yeah, D line, which... Yeah. We've hyped them up to be, and right. I believe it was the second week one of the team's offensive linemen took a jab at us. Now, now you mentioned that this isn't the defensive line that we hyped them up to be. Now, how good was this te- this defensive line, in your opinion? Was well, this a top three, you know, maybe top five defensive line front? I'd say I'd give them top ten. Top ten? Not even top five? I'd give them, like, seven. They're they're in the mix of the bunch. I mean, last year they had a good year, and you could tell like it was a it was a completely different Lions football team. But now we're back to the same struggles. I mean, I don't like bringing it up because he's already got enough media attention. But we're kind of like the Tim Tebow right now. As much as bad plays we make on offense, somehow we come up and win games in the end in the fourth quarter. And technically, that's what it comes down to in the NFL is how many wins you get. But the wins that the Lions are getting are sloppy. They're not good. They don't show up till the fourth. In the in the game this past weekend, we had six plays in the third quarter. Maybe if the defensive line started doing the Tebow, you know, starting to pray to the guy up there, maybe that will get them. You know, maybe that spark some energy. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. Hey, and the good thing is they still pull out wins. John, your take on this defensive line uh, and even the comments. Uh, how do you rank them? You know, when you compare them to the beginning of the season, what we thought they would be and what they are now when it comes to rankings, and and basically your overall thoughts on these. And then who, what rival GM said this? I have no clue. Probably someone in the division, just like David said, maybe the Bears or something, or the Vikings trying to step up, get step to the next level, saying they're better than us, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. You'll never know. It'll never come out. And if it does, that guy will get fired. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> It seems like he would, but anyways. Well, uh, well, before you go on about the defensive line, let's just look at the division right now because Chicago hasn't played. A, you know, they really haven't played a game yet against the Lions. You know, they're four and one at fir- in first place, uh, three in a row. Minnesota is at four and two in the division. They're uh, you know just barely back from Chicago. They played an extra game. Green Bay three and three. Uh, you know that could be a possibility with the Lions obviously in last place. Uh, but let's not even count out, you know, some of their past matchups. How about the coach that Jim Schwartz got in the fuel with years ago? Uh-huh. What about that organization? What if it's a GM that's trying to back Jim Harbaugh, you know, backed him up after all the controversy after, quote-unquote, was mean, you know, to Jim Schwartz? What if it had to do with his organization? It could be a GM trying to back up Jim Harbaugh, throwing some hard words, trying to ignore the, the negative attention that that— that has that the attrition that has come over the years. I mean, and then back to the defensive line, John. Uh, where do you rank that, and what do you think about that opinion? I think this year we're probably middle of the league, lower end of it, 15, 20, playing this year. Last year we were a lot better. Towards the end we kind of lost that whole hype that we gave them, and that's where that criticism came from. It kind of spread over till this year. But – like we were saying, they haven't been producing this year. Last game, they got like three sacks or something, so they're getting a little better. But when they were at their peak in where we started hyping them up, they were unstoppable. They yeah. would literally just run over offensive lines. And I think that was because of confidence. They started playing better. They started sacking each other, and they just they saw themselves as unstoppable. And then mm-hmm. once they started getting kind of lazy, they didn't work as hard, then they got kind of pushed around they're kind of stuck in that funk of trying to get back to what they can be. Because I think Sue is a better player than he is right now. He's getting double teamed because of last year. Mm -hmm. And Averill got some of the benefit of that from last year. But I think our defense line, talent-wise, is a top 10, top 5 defensive line. But production-wise this year, 15-20. 517-432-3893 is the number to call in. 
Uh, there you have it, a top 10, top 15 kind of analysis of a defensive line. Uh, more on Detroit Lions real quick. I want to talk about Javid Best. Uh, we've waited three months to reveal the extent of his injury. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions coming out today with no answer. They still don't know how long Javid Best is going to be out, guys. Uh, uh, it's still a mystery to many analysts and journalists and, and many people following this team how long it's going to be done. Uh, Jim Schwartz actually came out and said this, quote, I'm pretty much like you guys are. I'm really not in the loop when it comes to the actual decision. I'm just on the get-informed basis. I haven't been informed yet, still waiting on those guys, and we don't practice until Wednesday of this week, so we'll wait and see. As soon as I hear something, I'll pass it along, end quote. So Jim Schwartz obviously is explaining that he doesn't know. There is a lot of testing done, things like that, a lot of different people involved. But he also said... There are a lot of opinions going back and forth. So this gets me worrying, guys, because if there's a lot of opinions, this has to be a pretty serious injury. And, I mean, predictions, what kind of injury is it, and how much does it affect the team? David, and, and start the with the longer you. they hold out, the more it worries you for the Detroit Lions in that backfield. Um, LaShore, in my opinion, has been doing good. This last game I saw a good sign of him running, yeah. power running, he's yards, a, yards after contact, and just to add Javid Best to that would make it a lot easier on Stafford and potentially give a chance for Chad Johnson to finally get open <laughs> and get more than one catch in the game. And, and besides that, though, let's take a moment to talk about uh, the extent on Javid Best because if this guy comes back from this injury, there's no sure thing that he is going to be as good as even LaShore is right now. Yeah, we he hasn't been on the field in months, so we don't know how the rehab or the production that he'll produce, will, we don't even know how, how good it will be because he's been out for a while, and the more that we don't talk about it or we don't know about the injury, the more it frightens us. John, your take on this? I think it's the same thing. Like The more they talk about it, it's something with his head, so they're going back and forth. On concussions are kind of a hard thing to deal with if you're, because you're not in his head, you don't know what he's feeling and all that kind of stuff. So he's been dealing with concussions throughout his career. He had that one at Cal, if you guys remember that huge flip where he right, landed on right. his head and all that kind of stuff. So he had a history in college, and then he came here and got the concussion on the 16th or whatever in 2011. Right. But and, a year and let's ago. not forget. You know some of the hits that have been on this guy. We've seen. Yeah, you know, and he's walked out of multiple games just with right, head, like right. stingers or whatever. But and being the running back, grabbing fifteen, twenty carries a game, you're gonna get banged up. You're getting hit by those three hundred pound linemen, two, two eighty linebackers. Yeah, and he's just a small guy. So yeah, he's he's more of he's a playing wide receiver. He's playing everything. So I don't know. It sounds like it's he's probably got some kind of mental pro some something's unclear with his head mentally like they're kind of worried that if they put him out there and something happens something awful happens they're going to be reliable so probably half the guys are saying don't ever let him play again that's the smartest thing to do mm -hmm. but the other guys are saying well it's not that bad you can put him out there and obviously he's going to want to go out there obviously the coaches are going to want want him out there but they're not going to say that right but it's it i don't i don't think he'll play the rest of the year i think he'll end up going on the season-ending injury list, and I don't know if we'll see him again or what because it's just head injuries are so yeah, confusing and so touchy that people don't want to make the mistake, especially with the NFL. If you make the mistake, you're going to pay for it. So. Yeah, it's too much of a risk a risk factor. Like he said, you don't want to pay for that as a team. You see, like in the NHL, how much they, you know, tended to their concussions and Sidney Crosby being out like you saw the hits they weren't too big but I mean it's the it's it's the brain how it works and you can't you can't rush the rehab on that yeah the thing I would also comment on is is yeah they, they do rush you know you don't want to rush the rehab especially with NHL hockey uh but let's look at guys like Ernie Sims this guy has had you know way more than you know just a regular concussion he's had multiple concussions throughout his career still has no problem getting in the game uh, I wouldn't count him out quite yet. I'm going to argue with you. And, of course, no opinions reflected on the sports trap or not necessarily those of me or, or what the sports trap represents. But I will say this. you know, I Even with his concussion, I would still believe that this guy can still produce. Effectively, and even, and even not more than what he's done before. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, you know, there could be a little bit more of a slower response when it comes to cutting through the holes, you know, with the concussion, you know, all the... Uh, 
um, you know, all the, you know, more of the scientific side of it when it comes to, you know, getting the necessarily necessary brain cells and, and them working the right way. Uh, we, we should actually get some some sort of uh, pre-med student on the air to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> Some expert. Yeah, and maybe next show, hey, uh, if any of you who are pre-med or who are studying right now want to come on the sports rap, feel free to call in. Uh, but besides that, guys, you know, I think it also comes with the offensive line, as we've seen uh, a dreaded failure so far uh, in my take. And if they do produce, you know, some pretty good holes instead of some guys trying to create their own thing, you know, it could all change. But I would say, yeah, I think the guy could still produce. I will bet that he will come in when he comes back eventually. If he comes back, hopefully he will. I bet he'll come back and be 100% and be even better. That's a pretty bold prediction. But if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, I do have a couple other thoughts on the Lions, but we're going to get to that later in the end of the show. I do want to talk Michigan State sports. We've been waiting all show. We kind of divvied it up today with the Detroit Tigers to start off with the way they've been playing. But Midnight Madness, John, I know you went to that. David, you were there. Yep. Uh, Tom Izzo, uh, we've seen all sorts of appearances years past. And this one's quite the one to remember. Uh, You guys, I know we've seen him as a vampire. We've seen him as a biker, a soldier. This year, for those of you who did not catch it, Tom Izzo came this year as Iron Man. And they called him Iron Man Mountain. And he certainly rocked the place. Uh, the women's basketball coach, actually, Susie Merchant, came in as Wonder Woman. Uh, definitely one of the more entertaining ones I've seen in a long time. Uh, guys, uh, you also saw when he did come in, uh, there were three cartoon villains on the screen with small bodies and enlarged heads. And those guys were Ohio State coach Than Mata, U of M coach John Bayline, and Wisconsin coach Bo Ryan. Now, I want to start off with more of a humorful side of the show and ask you this. Who would you want up on that big screen as a villain? Now, are you going to necessarily stick with a coach? Are you going to look into a player? I mean, how bad do the Michigan State Spartans, how bad do they hate Manny Harris? <laughs> how badly you know, did they really hate... Uh, all the athletic trainers that heal Michigan State, you know, Michigan basketball players and let them come back. Uh, I want to start with you guys. Uh, start with you, John. Do you agree with putting those guys up there? Would you take away some, put in some guys? Who are your top three guys as bobbleheads up on the scoreboard? I like those three for the pick. They're the main guys. You got Ohio State, who's a big rival, and then Wisconsin, who's a somewhat of a better basketball program. Their football's been solid but as in basketball they used to be more of a powerhouse in basketball right, right, right. so it's a traditional and Bo Ryan's been there forever and our hands our fans typically hate him what about Robbie Hummel though I mean that <laughs> guy has been hated by multiple teams in the Big Ten I, I agree with all three <laughs> I mean I know we're focused on basketball but I'm pretty sure that the crowd wouldn't have mind maybe Denard Robinson's bobblehead being up there <laughs> absolutely considering it is you know Michigan Michigan State right hey Tom, Tom Izzo has no problem going out there and supporting Michigan State football let's let's show the, let's show the football team some pride here and, and really put on uh you know the big show of Denard Robinson you know broadcasting it over the whole stadium. And why not even dress the guys up? I'd like to see Denard Robinson as a girl. <laughs> Come on. Uh, feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. Uh, what three guys would you put as the villains to Iron Man Mountain Izzo? Who would you put, putting them back-to-back, you know, really a big matchup here. Uh, who's the number one most hated guy when it comes to Michigan State basketball? If you know the answer to that, if you have your opinion, feel free to call in. Also at Midnight Madness, we, do, we did see... Uh, well, besides Midnight Madness before, we 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 uh we did see Tom Izzo on Media Day. He did address the media with an update on his his uh his upcoming team this year. He did say that the freshman class would be good off the bat. He said it's hard to say how good they will be, but he said that he's had a better evaluation on freshmen than ever before too. So, do you guys at all see a relevation? Or uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, an uprising when it comes to this MSU program because. There's a lot of hype on Denzel Valentine. A lot of guys, he, he plays a lot of different positions, comparable to a Magic Johnson when it comes to position set. Not saying he's going to be as good, but uh, do you see that Gary Harris and Denzel Valentine creating a new legacy in MSU basketball? I mean, there's a lot of hype when it comes to these two freshmen. John? I think, I think we'll have a good team, but the problem that worries me the most is 
the we lost our leadership. We lost Draymond Green and we lost Austin Thornton, right. which were two huge leaders. Because the years before that, they had a lot of trouble with keeping the leadership together and staying whole, and they had all the problems with people wanting to score more and people wanting to be the stars. Mm-hmm. And Draymond and Austin kind of pulled it back into, hey, we're a team, that's what makes us good, all that kind of stuff. And then we lost that, and now your leader is the guy who got caught driving with drugs, who has mm-hmm. been slightly <laughs> suspended part of seasons right. and has been questioned with his leadership, and now he's being put in a leadership role. So I don't know. I think the leadership's going to be a big issue. Mm-hmm. We're young. We're talented. It depends on what type of people these players are. I think right. they're good players, but if they get selfish and then we start going that route, then you can lose the team and it could be a ugly season. But I think we'll be pretty solid with the talent. All right. Have. Fair enough. David, your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. The leadership, it, it's hard to replace someone like Draymond Green and Fortin from the basketball team. And like he said, if it, if it comes down to the cockiness and, and wanting to score points, get their own shine, like... For MSU basketball, this is a this is a team game. We get places with each other, for each other as a team. Not mm-hmm. as a, not one single person is going to carry this team throughout the season. And I mean, putting Derek Nix as a leader, I don't know if we touched on this, but you right. Were, and actually, I was going to talk about that next. Derek Nix, and then you also talking about Bird being a leader as well, but. If we're going to talk about Keith Appling, you know, being an elite guard in this league, in the NCAA, that's big. And in my opinion, if we're going to label him as elite, he's got to step up in his game and as the leadership role. He's a junior. You know, this is his year to, you know, kind of step up and show the team what he can do. And um, But uh, like John said, I think we'll have a solid season. I think the freshmen are going to bring – a little bit more bench support. I mean, four of them are were in the top 100 ESPN rankings, so that's nice to see. Um, we see Tom Izzo's confidence in them. We don't know how they're going to pan out on the court, but it's like it's it's nice to see that he has that confidence in them and probably get more playing time than you've seen in freshmen and pass. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> and let's talk about real quick next couple minutes here about Derek Nix and Russell Bird. Are they the correct choices for captain? David obviously touching about Keith Appling, how he's more of the go-to guy when it comes to production. Uh, you know, T- Tom Izzo did touch on, on, on Media Day that Keith Appling is a much better shooter, much, much, much better shooter, he says, than he was years ago. Uh, it's still remaining to see how he will do in the games. Obviously, defensively, he's a star, stud. And, uh, yeah... Uh, when it comes to leadership, though, guys, I believe there is always that there are always those intangibles when it comes to a captain. There's always the guy that's going to be the first one in, first one out of the locker room. Yep. There's always going to be the guy, you know, when it comes to you know being a team player, that's going to be friends with every guy, relaying, relaying the coach's messages to the team the best. Who's going to be the spoken guy in the huddle when they're down five with a minute to go? So when it comes to Derek Nix and Russell Bird, guys, what qualities in these guys are, if any? Do you guys see that they can contribute as a captain? Well, like I said last week with uh, Izzo's trust in Derek Nix, I think Izzo sees something that not a lot of the public sees. Some, he sees something in Derek Nix that he doesn't want to give up on, and he knows Derek Nix isn't going to give up. And honestly, Derek Nix has never given up. He has made mistakes. He's always come back. He's never fleed to another program. He's never just walked away or something like that. Right. So you have to give him credit for that. So he probably has a characteristic that some of the players respect, but you have to worry about them seeing what he did wrong and seeing how he gained all that weight back and he didn't stay true to what he said he was going to do and all those kind of things. That kind of makes you not follow him as much. But as for Russell Bird, I don't really know him as a person. Captains are more of a... It doesn't. You can be a solid player or even below average player, but be mm-hmm. a great captain. So right. Russell Bird, he's only a sophomore, but he might be a well-spoken uh, gentleman who knows how to get his team going. He's a great leader. He's the first guy in, first guy out, like you said, but he doesn't get to play a lot. So to us, it looks like, why would you pick him? All right. I think they said he, it was voted by the team. No coaches were right, involved right, yeah. or whatever. Very good point to mention, yeah. John. John, great, great point. Uh, you have to remember, if you're listening, Tom Izzo did come out and say this. The coaches vote, the players vote. 
any other year, if if there's something that the coaches don't think that you know that there are, if there's a quality about a guy, if there's a player they don't think should be a captain, they'll go right in and remove him. Now this year, Tom Izzo explained that they didn't need to do that because the coaches and players agreed, and it's shocking to see these coaches with everything that's happened with Derek Nix them come into such a hard agreement with a guy. And David, I want to start with you. Uh, real quick, we're within, we're within the last minute of the show. Just real quick, a couple thoughts on Derek Nix and Russell Bird. Yeah, I think it's uh, like what John said. Um, Izzo sees something in Nix that no one else does in the public eye. And to right. see that the coaches and the players are both on the same page on who they see um, is really going to carry this team. And what you said, you know, last 10 seconds of a game, a close one, you want Derek Nix to be the vocal guy. And sure. Like, also, what John said, I really don't know Russell Bird, but... He doesn't play much, but I'm sure he's a vocal guy, and that's always good to have. All right, guys. Sorry, we do have to rush because we were, are within the last minute of the show. Uh, we'll talk more about Izzo Media Day next week. Uh, we're going to get to Michigan State football. Let's do predictions real quick. Devastating game against Iowa, guys. Michigan, Michigan State, who do you like this weekend and why? Michigan, because our offense hasn't produced more than 16 points all season, except for against Central, and I'm sorry, that's just not going to win you football games. All right, very good. John? I think it'll be a within-a-touchdown game. I think it's going to be close. Uh, honestly, Michigan, the way we're playing right now, you can't honestly say Michigan State's going to go into Ann Arbor and beat their offense. Very good. On the air of WKAR, guys, I said that Iowa would beat Michigan State. I made a bold prediction. It paid off. Weeks ago, I said Michigan would win. I always said Michigan would win this game. I'm going to change my prediction. I'm going to pick Michigan State in Ann Arbor five times in a row in Ann Arbor this Saturday. We'll see if that comes full circle. Uh, Hopefully, it will. Guys, thanks again for those of you listening for the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Shaw, your host. And to my left... I'm David DeFever. John Yales. We'll be back next week for another edition. Actually, and before we close the show, i got to mention real quick, our goon of the week is a Cleveland Browns fan for dumping his head in urine for $450. Dumping his head in urine. So with that, I'll leave you. We'll be back next week at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.